The police are always off track with this shit. If they've watched prom night, then they'd save time. There's a formula to it. A very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for? If not for shedding. I just can't take no pleasure in killing Just some things you gotta do. Don't mean you have to like it. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. Let her get away, mommy. All right, welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends. I'm joining you today as horror host Travis and producer Kate. Hello, hello. Uh, joining us today is Kate Taylor. Hello. Back for her trip back to the 90s again. I know in the faculty episode, the last time you heard her, we uh, promised to return back for Scream because mm-hmm. she hadn't seen it. And um, I, uh, first of all, I want to ask, like, how you been doing? How's class been going, like, with a crazy time? and It has know. been crazy, but we've had lower numbers in our rooms, luckily, because we've had a lot of kids choose that virtual option. And so it's actually been very nice, despite all the rules and protocols, and the kids have been really good about doing their best to follow them. So it's actually gone pretty smoothly compared to some other years, actually. Mm-hmm. So do, you, nice. do you guys have, like uh, like, a lot of special rules and shit, like... Yeah. (laughs) We have like a real strict like seating chart that can't be moved. It's the same in the room as the cafeteria, the out to face forward, the masks. Um, They don't leave the room for any specials except for outside gym. Um, When we go out to recess, that's the only time they're allowed to take their masks off. So I'm gone like, are the days of asking for the hall pass and disappearing for like 25 minutes. Nope. That's done. I got to stare at them. They're no more than two in the bathroom at the t- at a time. It's lots of rules, but they've actually done all things considered really good considering it's just not as much fun this year. It, oh, for sure. It can't man. be as much fun. I was thinking like, uh, could you imagine being a senior like mm-hmm. uh, with all of this going on, like your whole senior year? Like I know you, you probably dislike, you're like, <laughs> you're I like, wouldn't yeah, have I minded. Would've. I would have loved it. Dude, oh, I would have been heart- go in two days a week. That'd have been nice. Dude, I would have been heartbroken though with like sports and shit sports like that. Sports and prom and dances and like That's all true, those yeah. all those rites of passage that just completely get screwed up. I mm-hmm. feel for them. No, for sure. So, like I said, bringing you back, we're going back into the '90s for 1996's Scream. Just to read some fast facts and intro the show, you listeners know how this goes. This was directed by Wes Craven. Uh, Wes is a legendary director, one of the true masters of the genre, along with John Carpenter. Uh, I would argue those two are the top two, honestly. Who brought us Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, Last House on the Left, Hills Have Eyes, Shocker, Deadly Blessing, and the entire Scream series. This dude's influence, like rest in peace by the way, this dude's influence is still felt throughout the genre. Uh, written by Kevin Williamson, another guy who was a huge writer at the time, the mid-90s and late 90s. Didn't he do uh, The Faculty, too? Oh, yeah. That's he basically wrote my mm-hmm. childhood. Yeah, go back <laughs> yeah. and listen to the Kate episode on The Faculty. It's awesome. He also adapted I Know What You Did Last Summer from the novel by Lois Duncan, another 
a cool, stylish 90s thriller. I have seen that one. Have you really? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Kate, Katie and another friend of ours, maybe what, like five, six years ago, forced me. They tricked me. Yeah, we did. But, yeah. Um, like I said earlier, he wrote Scream 1 through 4. Kevin Williamson did. The Faculty, as we mentioned before. And he wrote and directed Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which is a often overlooked 90s thriller, which I really like, like dark humor. Williamson would go on to TV where he created Dawson's Creek, Vampire Diaries, and The Following. I just really, really like his style and stuff. I like the teens and, you know. I mean, yeah, this is our era. Oh, like, yeah, This for is sure, when dude. we were growing up. Yeah. For sure. And speaking of, like, our era, listen to these sex icons of the <laughs> 90s. You had David Arquette as Dewey. You had Nev Campbell as Sidney Prescott. Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, Matthew Lillard as Stu, Rose McGowan as Tatum, Skeet Ulrich as Billy, and Drew Barrymore as Casey. Music by Marco Beltrami. And uh, I also got to give a credit to the soundtrack, one of the first of the many in the 90s that featured dope-ass songs like uh, Youth of America, Nick Cage, Red Right Hand, uh, Alice Cooper, School's Out. Like this soundtrack is just filled. My personal connection to Scream, Scream is one of my fa- absolute favorites, a true straight staple of what makes me me. I've often said Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my favorite, but Scream is probably the most important horror film for me. This started it all, got me into the genre. It's responsible really for this podcast uh, even existing. All of this because of this film and Wes Craven. Uh, I remember seeing this in part two when they were originally released and Ghostface, the horror icon, just blew up like when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, costumes, like all Everyone shit. did the, had that costume. Yeah, we'd read a book called Wonder in the fifth grade and there's a whole part in the book about how the kid dresses up in the Bleeding Scream costume and everything. Oh, really? So even my kids recognize that as young as they are. They really? That. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. So quick story time. Uh, one Halloween, my mom used to work like 11 to 11. She was a CNA. It w- she's like so easy to scare. We'll eventually have her on. But my brother <laughs> and I like each had our costumes for that year. And I think it was, it probably was like 98 or 99. And he was the fisherman from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Mm-hmm. And I was ghost-faced as Scream. And anyway, it was, you know, anticlimactic, but we scared the fuck out of her. When she, <laughs> 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 she always like went running out of the house and shit. So just some basic fast facts. Screenwriter Kevin Williamson uh, was partially inspired by real-life events from the student murders in Gainesville, Florida in 1990. Um, He said, I was watching this Barbara Walters special on Gainesville, Florida murders, uh, Williamson told CNN back in 1998, and I was getting so spooked, I was being scared of my mind. During the commercial break, I heard a noise, and I had to go search the house. And I went into the living room, and a window was open, and I had been in this house for two days. I'd never noticed the window open, so I was really scared. So I went to the kitchen, got a butcher knife, got the mobile phone, the cellular phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I called a buddy of mine. Uh, that buddy of his, David Blanchard, started asking him about scary movies, and the opening scene of Scream was born. One thing led to another, Williamson added. I went to bed that night, and so spooked I was having nightmares. And I wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning, and I started writing the opening scene to Scream. So I thought that was pretty pretty sick. The script sparked a major bidding war. Williamson's self-referential script sparked a fierce bidding war in Hollywood. And ultimately, the Weinsteins uh, won out for 400 grand. Drew Barrymore was set to star as Sidney Prescott, but ultimately decided that that role wasn't quite for her. She probably had a lot of pots on the stove at that point and decided to take the role of Casey. 
she felt that doing so would kind of bring a almost like a psycho vibe like mm-hmm. you had the biggest star in the film getting killed at the beginning and it really threw people off and if you look at that poster now like drew barrymore's in the very front like mm-hmm. and a lot of people thank her for getting this version of uh scream because her signing on to to star in it Wes craven then signed on to direct it so mm. that's yeah she's like partially you know irresponsible for this even happening it was originally titled Scary Movie, which which is funny because... <laughs> Kate has some I things have lots to say about, to say about that. <laughs> uh, which is, of course, funny because the, because the spoof film Scary Movie series would begin a few years later. The film's iconic mask was found during a location scout. So uh, Wes Craven tells a story of them just scouting like neighborhoods and houses and stuff. And he looks over and in this window, there's just like creepy fucking white mass just like kind of taped into the inside of the window. And he's like, I don't know what that is, but we need to get that down and test some guys in it. And like, and, cause it's really spooky, <laughs> but that's like, it's crazy how easily that came upon them. The voice behind the killer is veteran voice actor, Roger L. Jackson. Besides scream Jackson's credits include the role of Mojo Jojo from the Powerpuff Girls. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I used to love that, um, stuff, that show. <laughs> oh, for sure, dude. That show is dope. Uh, Wes Craven has a cameo actually in this movie. He makes can- cameo as the janitor. He's wearing Freddy Krueger's hat and sweater. <laughs> so the last thing I have here is the final scene took 21 nights to shoot. The 41, the 42 minute final act, taking place entirely during the party at Stu's house, took 21 successive nights to shoot. The cast and the crew jokingly called it the longest night in horror history. That is a lot of nights. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, That's a really long scene, though, that last party for scene. For sure. Or, like, that whole sequence, I guess. Yeah, and I wasn't, even, chunk. I wasn't even thinking about it like that. But, like, yeah, you're you're in there, like, for a long time, like, mm-hmm. following those characters. But, Kate, so let's go ahead and stop and get your initial reactions to this movie. I thought it was funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> and with that, she mentioned the scary movie. As mm-hmm. soon as the movie started, I... Instantly, I've seen all of the um, Wayne's Brothers scary movies, mm-hmm. and I had no frame of reference when I watched them because I hadn't seen any of the scary movies yeah, that they were doing it about. <laughs> so, you, hang on, if you haven't listened to the faculty episode, go listen to it. But what you need to know is Kate doesn't watch anything scary. Mm-mm. Probably this might be the scariest movie we've. Yeah, this made and you watch. like I know what you did last summer. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's dude. I love those. That and like. We made her watch The Faculty, and mm-hmm. before that, it was what, like, Hocus Pocus, which is I love scary. Hocus That's it's a classic. <laughs> but it's not scary. I feel judged. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment, but I just had um, a lot of joy. I've been looking forward to the moment where I could sit down and watch this movie with you. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was good. Uh, but I I laughed a lot because I had all I could do is watch this movie through that lens, mm-hmm. and all I can think of is, like, Carmen Electra getting her breast implant ripped out. <laughs> yeah. And th- those things are, like, so it made it easier for me to watch, I think, maybe less spooked about it. But, I, yeah, I really enjoyed watching it. It's kind of like watching some of those old James Bond movies. Like, I don't know if you guys have went back and watched any of those, but, like, Austin Powers is so mm-hmm. ingrained in, the, in society and shit. Yeah. It's almost tough to see, uh, you know, the villain. Um, I'm getting my James Bond card yanked right now because i can't think of it but dr evil is like forever that villain now. <laughs> yeah it yeah it, it just it's hard to lose that frame and like i just it makes it so much funnier and now i'm in on the joke it's really uh-huh. nice <laughs> yeah and to watch any teen slasher as an adult it's never going to be as scary as w- if you watched it as a teen like sure. i saw scream as like a preteen, like young teenager like and it 
truly terrified me then. This movie really made, like, if you're a millennial, especially, like, this movie was big. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It kind of formed our taste in movies. For for sure. And believe it or not, not every, and I kind of wanted to tackle this as, like, a topic, too. Not every horror fan, like, 100% gets or digs Scream either. Because Scream is very hard to... There's a before and there's an after Scream because Scream took the slasher movie and kind of made fun of it in cool ways and mm-hmm. dissected the tropes, like you know, like with Randy's rules and mm-hmm. you know all this other stuff. It's kind of tough to, like Kate Taylor said, like post Scream slashers very much uh, fall in. They have to like almost answer to Scream because Scream is like almost taking on all these tropes, if that makes sense. It's very divisive. Uh, I know, like, Rob Zombie's one of the critics of this movie. Like, I just didn't get it. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, I want horror films that are, like, 100% scary. Not funny at all. Yeah, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for instance. And Mm -hmm. and this is very self-referential and, you know, very making fun of itself and the genre. But, yeah, that's cool. So, revisiting it, Katie, what did you... I've seen it so many times. I, mm-hmm. I love it every time. I watch it. I watch Scream and Scream 2 every single Halloween spooky season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never get bored of this movie. I always notice something different each time I watch it, too. Because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of like... You would have of... thought you and Rose were watching it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, we love it. Because you just thought it was so funny. It was like, yeah. wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. These are like comfort food for, mm-hmm. like you said, like our generation and uh-huh. stuff. Like these movies make you feel so good and shit. So the basic synopsis, a year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as part of a deadly game. So let's get into the plot. Kate Taylor, do you have any comments on the plot or is there stuff that you would change or did you like the plot? Oh, I like the plot. I liked that they comment on the structure of the movie throughout the whole thing. And especially for someone who's not super familiar with the structure and how, how it works as much. But I liked the plot. And there were some times where it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. But that was helpful for me, the scaredy mm-hmm. cat in the room. <laughs> but to be able to call some things. Mm-hmm. But I liked I liked the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised? Yeah. I was surprised when Drew Barrymore bit the dust so soon. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Like She's the biggest face on the cover. Why is she already dead? I was really upset by that. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a feeling about Matthew Lillard being a little shysty, but I couldn't have confirmed that. But the boyfriend mm-hmm. really, really tricked me. Billy Loomis, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he tricked. I, he tricked me back in the day. I will mm-hmm. say, and I'm usually pretty good. Travis gave a synopsis, but basically, what you find out is, you know, spoiler alerts. I mean, you can't talk about this movie without <laughs> talking about the, the twist. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. There's basically two teenage two. boys that are friends in this friend group, and if you kind of reverse engineer the movie basically mm-hmm. they have are two psychopaths like a year before this this movie takes place like the action in this movie takes place they rape and kill or at, at least just kill um the main character sydney prescott's mother um and you find out that billy her boyfriend sydney's boyfriend and one of the killers he does it he kills her mother back then and then tries to kill her and goes on a killing spree later on um, because he's got this trauma, if you will. His his mother left him, abandoned him, because her father slept with Sidney Prescott's mother. Sidney Prescott's mother is apparently the cause of all of his pain. He's bitter. Um, and he's a psychopath to begin with, and that's all it took for him to start 
doing all this Mm -hmm. um and so they kill her mother there's like a lot of drama around that i'm sure we can get into any of the details that we want later on talking about um what went down the year prior to this happening and then they basically they terrorize sydney and she gets away a bunch of times and they kill some other teens in the process Mm -hmm. that they have little vindictive like bullshit reasons to not like them like like, there wasn't like what was the reason for drew barrymore like i didn't catch that I will tell you. So, Stu was dating Casey. Mm-hmm. She left Stu for Steve, the boyfriend that they For killed. the football player. For the football oh, player. That so, was why. that okay. was Stu's vendetta. Okay. Stu and Billy were like incels before that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Before it was a thing. Very, uh-huh. Very sensitive little psychopaths. But Don't hang up on me. But, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, we're kind of getting into some things I like about the plot, which is there's there's a, a logical like reason for everything that happens. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Pretty much everything. Like I'm never left thinking like, wait, oh well why'd they do that? Or like what that doesn't make sense. Like it all it's just makes sense. So one of the my favorite things to do rewatching this, like you said, like one of the best things about this movie is rewatching it and trying to piece take it apart piece by piece. And one of my favorite things to do is like we've been saying, spoiler alert, like if you're still listening to this you know, it's your problem, but there are two, <laughs> <laughs> there are two killers in this movie, which is kind of a uh, was a newish idea at the time. I'm not sure if that's the first time that's ever happened, but there are two killers, so it's kind of it's really really fun to try to piece together which one it is, like during each killing. Yeah, which <laughs> which is like really fun to do because at the beginning, like you kind of devise that it has to be uh, Billy doing the killing or else Stu, cause Stu is with Tatum. She mentions, but mm-hmm. Stu could have made the calls and then Billy was doing the killing or vice versa. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it, Travis is right. It's really fun to go and watch it back and try to figure that out. And it's also, there's some really good acting, honestly. I think, oh, yeah. I think Ski Ulrich does a really, really good job with, oh, yeah. of playing Billy. If you, especially if you go back and watch it again, cause some scenes you can, you can be like, Oh, like, especially the scene where he's, um, his bangs tell- do a really good job too. Yeah. This stunning it's <laughs> <laughs> horrible bang. but no like some of the scenes you can kind of almost like write him off and be like ah oh, he's not doing his best here but like for instance the scene where he's telling sydney like just have he's just trying to convince her to have sex with him and stuff and mm-hmm. that can kind of put you off him as an actor but one of my favorite scenes with him other than the end which i think he does brilliantly oh yeah is the scene where they're all sitting outside the school like school has, like, has been canceled or something because the news broke about Casey mm-hmm. being killed and there's just drama in the school. And so they, they're all sitting outside is, at a fountain maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah. So they're all at the fountain and they're talking about what, what all of them were doing at the mm-hmm. time of the murder of Casey. Mm-hmm. Stu and Randy are, you know, going at each other and Stu <laughs> is making it seem almost like a little obvious that, like it could be him, but he's joking, and mm-hmm. and it's clearly like making Billy upset. And when you watch it after knowing, when you know oh, that yeah. Billy's part of it, and mm-hmm. you know who the killers are, then you, you like Skeet Ulrich does some really really good acting in that. Just like <laughs> the the faces he's making as Stu's talking in the background, and you don't notice it the first time you watch because you're focused on what Stu's saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was watching Skeet in that um, scene, and it's 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 pretty good. And, yeah, and he's so he's so scary in the ending to me. I think Stu says something like, I didn't kill anybody or something. And Billy's just like, nobody said you did. And like made big eyes at him and shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like there were several times of that where like Billy is just, 
And Rose told me that you were surprised about Billy, and and you mm-hmm. said at the intro he tricked me. And they do a, such a good job of that because it's like it's obvious he's the killer throughout the whole fucking movie. But then you're like, because Wait a it's so obvious, <laughs> it can't be right. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what that's where my mind went. Like, and then they kill him, mm-hmm. so you're like, oh fuck. Well, he's well, not the killer. God, yes. <laughs> ketchup. I could. I was so mad. Yeah. Right? It wasn't ketchup. What was it? it was uh, pig's blood. Or, yeah. <laughs> Whatever they use for carries. So. Corn starch or yeah. something like that. Yeah. What were some of your favorite characters? Since we kind mm-hmm. of transitioned into the... I really like Jamie King. I cannot be scared of Matthew Lillard. Oh, Jamie mm-hmm. Kennedy? Yeah, Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. That's two very different people. <laughs> His name is Randy. Um, Jamie Kennedy's character, um, Randy, I thought he was... He was probably my favorite part of the movie. I thought he was mm-hmm. funny. I love him. And talk, like how he exposes like the structure of everything that's happening. And he calls all of it through the whole time. Um, he's probably my favorite because I, I just can't be scared of Matthew Lillard. Yeah, he was calling Billy shit like throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where he's like, would you be standing in the horror section if you were accused of murder and shit like that? <laughs> yeah, what the hell? <laughs> um, just like a quick fast fact. So David Arquette was actually like auditioned for the part of Billy. Mm. which I think, like, he probably could have pulled it off, but yeah. he actually read the script and... He's not cute um, enough. I, I stand by that. He actually... <laughs> I just made big eyes judging <laughs> these girls tasting men. Um, so Dewey, yeah, Dewey actually auditioned for the part of Billy, but he noticed the character of Dewey in the script, and he said the Dewey character was meant to be, like, a bigger guy and kind of thing, but he brought something to it that Wes actually, like, really loved. Like, he played... Dewey as like this true character, almost like the kind lovel- of bumbling. Would you say bumbling? Like, yeah, bumbling, he's real though. Like, the, he's just a nice guy. The lovable, goofy rookie. Cop. Yeah. yeah, and he yeah. doesn't like over. He doesn't overly try to like look like a hard ass. Like everybody mm-hmm. kind of has accepted that he is not a hard ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's like one scene that I love where Tatum's like fucking yelling at him at the police station. He's like, what mom tell you that, <laughs> that when I'm in uniform, you treat me like a man of the law. The man of the law was so really funny. <laughs> she called him doofus. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but I think this is like one of the things that sets this movie apart. Even from like Halloween and all these other slasher franchises, like even taking on, you know, the like the great Halloween. Like I think these characters are like so fucking awesome. It just so well written and their own people and characters, like if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, um, Randy and Sydney Prescott. We'll get into Sydney Prescott. I want to save her for themes and stuff. Unless you want to talk about her. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Dewey is just so lovable. And then you got Gail Weathers, who is the reporter. Like Kate mentioned, she's there to cover a story on Maureen Prescott's death. And, um, and get famous. For mm-hmm. sure. And one of the plot points that uh, Rose said that you actually brought up, which we will cover if you join us for Scream 2, mm-hmm. is the jailing of Cotton Weary. Mm-hmm. Which comes up later in Scream Two. That's what I at the end. I was like, "Well, what's going to happen to that guy?" Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he plays a big part in the series coming up. But oh. yeah, that, just like these characters are so like just fantastic and well written, man. But one of the things that I really really liked about this recent rewatching was the brother sister relationship between Dewey and Tatum too. Kind of that, uh, like I just said, that whole calling out of him and shit, like <laughs> like in the police station. <laughs> I told stuff. them that like. From my my scary movie lens, like, they didn't even need to like recast David Arquette. They could have just put him right in the Marlins Brothers movie too. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it just like it was like the same. It wasn't even like overdone. I thought I thought it was really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have anything on the characters, Kate? 
I would say Brandy is one of my favorite characters, but I, it's gonna it's really hard for me to pick a favorite because I love so much about each of the characters, even the smaller roles like Tatum. I gotta say, and I know we're gonna get to maybe this is the good segue for Sydney Prescott. Sydney Prescott, yeah, we got um, Sydney Prescott's her. probably my f- favorite character just because before this movie, I had seen a few slashers like Halloween, um, Friday the Thirteenth, like you know the classics mm-hmm. and. I hadn't seen a final girl. That's what they're called. I've mm-hmm. learned doing the podcast. Scream queen. Um, a scream final queen girl. and a final girl who all along throughout the movie is like aware of horror movie tropes because the creepy caller who calls her mm-hmm. is always talking about scary movies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's such a central part of it. And so she's like highly aware of the tropes and the sort of cliches of horror of like older horror movies and horror slashers and. Yeah, she like mentions like the running up the stairs, and then she runs and then up she the runs stairs. up the stairs. But then she's got she knows that door is gonna um, get jammed. Yeah, for she's her. not a, she's not helpless, and she's quick on her feet. She's able to survive mm-hmm. and even get to get a good few licks in on the person trying to attack her. Um, and in the end, you find out she in a the, in a super badass way. One of my favorite endings is, saves herself. Yeah, she saves herself. She doesn't give the gun um to Stu and randy who are outside when they're like give me the gun i can protect us she doesn't give them the gun she's like screw you shuts the door and goes in unfortunately she gives the gun to billy because she you know well she saw him die yeah so she thought she thought that was, that was probably yeah, yeah. Like, let's be fair <laughs> but yeah i mean in the end she she and gail weathers team up they hate each other in the beginning by the end they're two strong women saving themselves and saving everyone else like who happens to be alive i mean at that point yeah um and i I just feel like that's so awesome and i love that they put jamie lee curtis and her role in halloween so much into this movie too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because i think i see a lot in both of those two characters they have a lot of the same qualities that i like for sure and those would for sure be the top two scream queens for me i would honestly give the slight edge to sydney prescott controversially maybe among horror people, but I don't, I don't think it's that controversial to be fair. Like one of the themes in this movie, hardcore. And one of the reasons I was so delighted that like, we're talking about this, like rewatching it was the theme of women fighting back against the killer. Like that. I think that's one of the things that like Wes really wanted to do was make the killer human and the women fight back and be badass. Cause even Tatum like, fights him in the garage. Like, mm-hmm. She fucking <laughs> throws like several beer bottles at him and shit. Mm-hmm. One of the big time themes, like I said, is these women fighting back and Sydney, Sydney going against and breaking the rules of the slasher mm-hmm. by having sex and not being the virgin and still defeating the character, the uh, slasher, mm-hmm. which was a big deal because it's like, and you know, Billy obviously manipulated her and shit, shit but mm-hmm. I felt like that was a big deal for like that to happen and Sydney being so strong on her own and shit like that. And like, in that, yeah, and in that same vein, she's not a virgin. They, they, you know, she has sex during the movie and she doesn't die, um, which almost never happens in the older movies. Oh yeah, slashers. Be, yeah. Um, but on top of that, they never show her boobs, mm-hmm. which I like. And they they make reference to this like here comes the obligatory tit shot or whatever mm-hmm. when they're watching Halloween. I think. I thought that it was so like cute, cute way they did it. And they tease you with the angle because yeah, they're talking about the tit shot in the movie as they're cutting to her and Billy ha- like getting ready to have sex, mm-hmm. and they don't ever show it. 
Mm-hmm. The female characters have dignity, mm-hmm. especially um, Sydney Prescott. Like, because if like one of the things I noticed too, and I pointed out to Rose, when Sydney's at home, she's dressed like a real woman, like would be dressed like with like a sweater on and mm-hmm. shit. Like, mm-hmm. she's not like dressed shit like yeah. you see in the old slasher movies and stuff. Yeah, like I just like felt like they made her in, ne- in negligees. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like I just felt like they made her very very real. Like she's a, sexual, a, but she's not been over sexualized right. in the film. Right, and that's that's one of the key things. If you do join us for Scream 2, I think Sydney even goes further and further. And you brought up Gail. Gail is the ultimate badass at the, at the end as well, because like she fucking shoots uh, Billy. What Was it Billy or Stu that she shoots? So, the, so it's, the safety's on when she's pointing it at Stu and Billy. And then Billy Stu, gets it back, Yeah, right? Stu dies mm-hmm. some other way. Stu gets the TV slammed on his yeah, head. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, but no, yeah, she she's like, safety wasn't on that time or whatever. And she, yeah. she, after she shoots Billy. Um, and then I love that Sydney gets the final glory of, and Randy's standing there saying, this is where, this is at the end of all the movies where the killer comes back to life one more time to scare you. And he does, which is so rewarding. And like, it's such a good payoff. And Sydney gets to be the one to shoot, shoot him. him. Mm-hmm. And she says, what does she say? Not in my movie, which I love. Mm. So, Kate Taylor, did you have any comment commentary on the themes? Let's get into your notes a little bit. Well, I just want to say I did not recognize Courtney Cox for several minutes of her being in the film. Because <laughs> Kate... I was staring at that bright-ass green suit. <laughs> it was... Kate and I immediately looked at each other was... at the exact same exactly. time when that lime green suit showed up. And it was so funny. It was lime green and then the blonde highlights. And I was thrown. Like, I was too distracted to even notice it was her at first. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I knew she was in the movie. But that was disruptive but i i did like the 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 theme where the women saved the day that was probably the best part for me noticing that um the women saved themselves Mm -hmm. where so often uh, in scary movies that i've seen or seen parts of that's not the case at all Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of the times they're they either survive by luck Mm -hmm. or because some other man comes in Mm -hmm. helps them out saves them Oh, for sure. Like it, and you brought up like the scene with Randy where Sydney doesn't get let it either of them in and stuff. Like, just think about that contrast between Sydney Prescott and Randy during that scene. Like, Randy is like almost helpless. Like, and Sydney's completely fighting Billy back. Mm-hmm. And um, like one of my favorite scenes is when like Randy's helping out Sydney and then just gets punched in the face again after he gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you brought up the Lori the Lori Strode on the Halloween um, on the TV. I've watched this movie like 200 times, and this is the first time, strangely, that I've noticed how well that syncs up, like the events in the Halloween movie versus the events in this movie. Like one of the things that I uh, really, really dug was like Michael Myers is behind Laurie Strode and Randy saying, behind you, and then the Scream dude's behind, or uh, Stu or Billy's behind him, like, you know, in the movie and shit. And but, I love that his name, his real name is Jamie Kennedy. Uh-huh. Is it Jamie, and he's Jamie. and he's yelling at Jamie Lee Curtis. He's saying Jamie is right behind you. It's just so well done. Oh I love yeah, for that. sure. And hit her coming out of the closet and hitting him with the fucking um, umbrella too. Like mm. I've always like, oh my god, I couldn't believe hurt. the damage that umbrella did. Dude, that would shocked. fucking suck. <laughs> oh my god. I was also really um, shocked and dismayed at Henry Winkler's passing. <laughs> Kate, was, Kate was I was wrecked by that. I was wrecked by watching the Fonz die like that. Mm-hmm. And I loved his little scissor dance in the oh, movie. Yeah. I really loved that. He did the little scissor dance. You suspended. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really upsetting 
part of the plot for me. So I read like a, b- a bit of trivia. I'm not sure if it's like confirmed or not, but they say when he opens up the closet, you can see the Fonz's jacket, leather jacket hanging oh, in the closet. I didn't. I wouldn't have noticed that. That would be That'd a cute cool. nod. <laughs> I mean, with the way they did the Freddy Krueger shirt oh, yeah. and all the other things, I'm sure that was a nod. For sure. And uh, that was one. That was another thing that we picked up on. Like you said, in this movie, I love that everything in this movie kind of seems like it has its place, like for the most part. And Rose was like, why did they kill the principal? And I was like, they probably killed the principal to pull everyone, cause a distraction and pull everyone away from the party so that, you know, they could, I guess, like have their... Isolate people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because they like run out and say, well, let's go see him before he gets cut down, which is just like Dude. the most horrific thing. That'd be but me, Josh it, and Brooks. It was like Matthew Lillard's the one that says it, isn't he? Or is, is he not? I think it's Randy. Randy said yeah. okay. And <laughs> honestly, I don't like. I don't know that every single character they kill has like a good reason. I mean, mm-hmm. they're psychopaths. They're like, yeah. they're just excited at this point. That you think about it, they got away with their first kill of Sydney's mommy. You're in previously. They've been planning all this. Well. A lot of it, I'm sure they've been planning. And then once they got a taste for blood, they got really reckless as it went on, you know? Do you think they're both psychopaths? Yes. Or do you think Billy's a psychopath? I think Billy is definitely a psychopath. I think Billy's a psychopath, and I think Stu is almost like a... sociopath? He was into peer pressure. Well, there's a, sure. there's a line I love. I wrote down, I, like almost all my notes are... Or, Let's get into quotes, quotes, for sure. Billy says this. He says, movies don't create psychos. They make psychos more creative. He screams mm-hmm. that at Sydney as he's chasing her or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for Billy to identify as, himself as a psychopath, like he's definitely that. I think Stu, I don't know. Stu could probably be characterized as a sociopath who is friends with a psychopath, you know? And so mm-hmm. it, he doesn't care about the consequences. He's getting a, a thrill out of it. And so he's doing it, but it's like, I don't think he would have ever been the mastermind of it if it no. weren't for Billy. Too sloppy, nah. too goofy yeah. in mm-hmm. it, even. And you can even see, like, like that scene when they're stabbing each other. Like, you can kind of see the power that Billy kind of has over Stu. Because mm-hmm. he's like, give me the knife. And yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Stu cuts him a little too deep or something. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I know you like the same quotes that I do from so- <laughs> that scene, where they're after they've stabbed each other. <laughs> yeah, so before they stab each other... Uh, Gail points the gun at Billy and Stu and Billy's like, God damn it. I thought you said she was dead. And he was like, she looked dead, man. Still does. <laughs> she said still does. <laughs> and then like uh, my other favorite quote in this movie from Stu is like, he's like, uh, Bill, like she talks shit to Billy over the phone and Stu's all cut up at this point. And uh, Billy throws the phone. He's like, God damn it. It throws the phone and hits Stu. And Stu's just like, ow. And he's like, why'd you have to hit me with the phone, dick? I love that too. So he's basically like bleeding out because Billy stabbed him too too hard or whatever. And he's like, I think I'm dying here, man. My mom and dad are going to be so mad. And he's like, I'm getting real woozy. I can't, I can't say it the way he said it. It was really yeah, funny. That, that scene is brilliant. I love that one. In the like the rules scene with Randy, like that's just iconic. Like where he's like, never under any circumstances say I'll be right back. And then Stu gets up and he's like, Hey, you want a beer? And he's like, Yeah, go ahead and grab me one. And he's like, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> he does like some puns in there too, mm-hmm. didn't he? Like I forget, I didn't write them down, but he had a little, a couple little puns that he said throughout the movie too. Okay, so 
I'm going to tell you what's creepy about this movie to me. Last night, and this, I swear I'm not making this up, but we were doing our draft over at Brooks and Katie's and uh, the, while the girls were watching this. And I got an alarm from my phone that said, like, glass break. And I'm, of course, thinking about this movie. And one of the things that's always creeped me out th- about this movie, and we kind of touched on it at the beginning, is the, like, invasion of privacy and the use of technology, like, to creep people out. Because this was during the time of like crank calls and stuff. And the first scene is just so iconic as a cold opening mm-hmm. and so creepy to me having somebody in your house and shit. And she's so isolated and stuff. But yeah, like I wanted to bring that up for sure because I was like wondering how Kate Taylor was doing last night when all you guys left. I if- did okay because I, again, like I had that scary movie funny. <laughs> funny factor yeah. in my head which I helped me get through the whole thing but and she's got a big doberman big doby <laughs> to keep me safe but mm-hmm. it, it is the the beginning is really scary because that's something that could happen to all of us we all have windows you know like there's not a lot in reality that stops people from doing that whether yeah. we have alarm systems or whatever it might be that could happen to anybody and yeah in the scary. moment and they're and they're in like a kind of a more spread out town, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it would take... Everything's more... You see a lot of, like, cornfields and mountains and... Um, I don't know if it's corn, but there's, like, fields of crop. Mm-hmm. And the most devastating part of that whole scene to me... And I and I genuinely, every time I watch it, like, I, I my heart rate goes up a little bit and I, Drew I, I feel that suspense. Drew Barrymore the fuck out of that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, she's great. But the most devastating part is where her she sees her parents driving mm-hmm. up and her parents are, like, literally on the porch or like in the house like in the foyer and she's um on the porch and she he's she's been strangled a little mm-hmm. bit so she can't call out for them and she's trying to say mom help mm-hmm. or and and then they snatch her and they and they so close, finish the job but so far away yeah and her and you can see the terror on her mom's face her mom and dad's face and her mom is like not my baby they know she's mm-hmm. something's not right and so yeah that i would agree that's probably one of the best cold opens of any slasher at least that i've ever seen dude it's chilling like the like when she looks outside and sees her boyfriend tied up and he's like shaking his head and telling her to like basically like not to play or he probably knows that she's like trapped and stuff that scene is just so chilling and and then like you said like the um, i'm glad you brought that up but because the throat thing i think takes care of like a lot of like there's a moment in halloween 2 where <laughs> did we watch this uh, recently, like the Halloween two, Maybe. where Jamie Lee Curtis is laying in the parking lot, and the help is like a hundred yards away, and she can't scream for no reason. Like yeah. she's just like, <laughs> like <laughs> mouthing help, and I'm like, just fucking scream. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the them showing her get strangled and stuff, it actually makes sense that she can. It's it's like more and more heartbreaking. But yeah, and then like her mom, like you said, hears her on the phone, like. It's just like that scene is just like so fucked up, man. There's so many iconic. And I'm gonna overuse that word during this episode. I can't help it. This movie mm-hmm. is iconic. In that first scene, uh, the Jiffy Pop. That's like everyone <laughs> remembers the Jiffy Pop. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite scary movie? Mm-hmm. Um, and he play. He says, yeah. "Do you want to play a game?" Do you Which play a game? gets mm-hmm. used later. I'm not gonna lie. The scene, Drive, you brought it up. Um, the part of the scene where the boyfriend's on the porch and you see him like through the back door. And when they turn, she's like, they're like, turn the lights on again, Sydney. There have been many a times if when I've been home alone oh. where, and I have a big sliding be- uh, glass door on like my back patio, mm-hmm. uh, where I 
before I turn on the lights to let my dogs out or something, I like, I get a little freaked out, like wondering, mm-hmm. like, is there going to be someone standing there mm-hmm. or like, I don't know. It, like that is always going to be scary to me. So anyone who's listening, who knows me and knows where I live, like, don't come do that to me. It's not going to be funny. <laughs> um, I will stab you or something. I don't know. <laughs> don't do it to me. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And it's like where he's like, last question, which door am I at? And then he throws the chair through the fucking patio. Uh-huh. Ooh. Yeah, man. And then like right after that, you see him kind of run through the house and he looks like a fucking ghost. Cause like all of his like little tassels and shit are like flowing behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That part is like so fucking creepy. Kate, did you have any favorite quotes? Bubble butt boyfriend, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Bubble butt That's boyfriend. the one that stood out to me. Aside from like all the Matthew Lillard funny things at the end that Katie brought up, that one just really made me laugh. But there were, I just liked the fact that they broke so much of the tension up with funny. That's mm-hmm. what I made me enjoy the movie a lot better. So who was the who is the guy that teenage Kate and Kate were like watching this and being like, oh, he's cute. The Billy, because he's like a mix of like Johnny Depp. He's dangerous. And, and yeah. Gavin Rossdale. And he's, like, he's got that vibe. Gavin Rossdale. Not that like Gavin Ross. He was just trying. Like he really wanted to be him or something. But yeah. definitely not. Um, I got to say, Skeet is not my type. I, d- I never thought he was the cutest one. Um, I've always thought Matthew Lillard is cute, even when he's being an asshole. So he was probably the one I always thought was cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rose likes him a lot too. Um, Just like a little trivia for that Stu or I said Stu Matthew Lillard and Nev Campbell was actually were actually dating while oh, this movie was being filmed the front door. and this is where uh, David Arquette never guessed that yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> and this is where David Arquette and Courtney Cox met each other and I knew I thought that I couldn't remember if they met there are friends because they did one and then the other mm-hmm. together but I thought that I have a few quotes before we get off of okay quotes. no for sure it's deja vu all over again mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so like I've heard I've heard people quote that in mm-hmm. other movies since and it's just like so such a stupid thing to say but such a teenage thing to say I love when the I don't know if he's the police chief he's like the head detective or something. He's like an older cop, the basically. Sheriff, yeah. The sheriff. Um, and he's like, these kids today, damn if I know. I don't know why. That just got me. He's like, these kids today. <laughs> he, just, he, had, he had nothing to say. Yeah. yeah. He's like, 20 years ago, I'd have said not a chance. These kids today. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, I know. Um, and there's a quote that I can't stand. Uh-oh. It had its place. Like, I'm not saying that the writing of this scene is bad or anything. Like, it, to me, and it'll make sense in a second when I describe it to you. But to me, the scene is like kind of necessary to show how underdeveloped um, teenagers' brains are. Yeah. Like, and their like empathy and their self respect mm-hmm. um, is just off. Mm-hmm. You know, at that age, a lot of I shouldn't paint everyone with a broad brush, but you know what I mean. Most, no, for sure. Most yeah. teens. Um. So this is after Billy has like constantly been pressuring sydney to have sex with him he does it at the in the like the beginning the first scene you see with sydney where he sneaks in her window and he's like pressuring her to get frisky with him so there's a scene where it's after the he's been arrested and been found apparently not not guilty of whatever they uh, arrested him for and he is pressuring her in school and saying, like, why haven't you just gotten over your mom's death? Like, yeah. You know, why don't oh, you want to yeah. have sex with me after you? Your mom <laughs> like, just, it's been a year. It's, yeah, it's been, over it. it's been a year. My mom left and, 
and I got over it. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, no, your mom didn't. Your mom didn't die. You she obviously haven't gotten over it yeah. either. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Which is ironic, and I think now that you know, like when you watch it again, that the irony really hits you in that yeah. scene. Um, but then later on, that clearly what he has said to her in that scene has sunken in, and she started mm-hmm. to really question herself. And her self-esteem is affected at this point, and she's thinking she's the problem. She says, I'm the one who's been self-absorbed and self-centered with all this post-traumatic stress. And I'm like, who? (laughs) How dare I? Yeah, how dare I have post-traumatic stress? My mother was raped and brutally murdered. Like, how dare I not not be horny for you? (laughs) Um, So, like, that, I, I just think, again, it has its place in the movie, and I think it makes sense for the plot, and... As a woman, I'm just like that was a little weird. Sydney, don't don't. She's so strong in the rest of the film. It just doesn't. It kind of like a wavering. But like she's a teenage girl. So yeah, but I think it also goes to like show how like in love with Billy she is. Like she Mm -hmm. will kind of do anything for him. No, it it for sure is like um, that. That uh, plot line or you know storyline is a little problematic. I also think there's a small town element there, like uh, because she says it a couple times. Like um, when she first meets Gail Weathers, Gail's explaining that uh, her mom was having an affair, which Sydney is denying, and it's almost mm-hmm. like she's associating like her mom was stepping out with her mom getting killed, like almost. Like, yeah, but like, for like punished for yeah being punished mm-hmm. for having sex with a person. Yeah, yeah, which might be like a small town thing too, because it's like people are talking around town yeah. and shaming everyone's and Sydney, morality is up for judgment. Yeah, and Sydney this. might not want to think about her mom, even like as that way. Or mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. You yeah, who wants to think about their mom like that? For sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, Cotton Weary will will. Uh, Will return in the series for sure. I love the second one. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> See, the second one to me is one of the best sequels of all time. Like the second one might even be like I I might even like that one a little bit more than this one. But uh, another couple quotes I wanted to rattle off was them saying like Sydney's saying something to Tatum on the porch when they're getting ready for the party. That was another thing I felt was a little problematic was Tatum was just like, forget all that. Let's just go to the party like and have a good time. Like it'll be safe. I think Sydney's like uh, bringing up like her concerns or like, what if my mom did like have an affair and Cotton was innocent? And she was like, don't go sounding like a Wes Carpenter flick, <laughs> <laughs> which is, of course, you know, combining Wes Craven and John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And during that scene, too, one of the like little problems that I had with this like rewatch was and I'm going to get like some of your problems after this, Kate. Mm-hmm. But that ghost face is just like everywhere, it seems. And I'm like, there is no way he would be in the fucking convenience store, like with his mask on and Not like, be out. Seen. come on. Yeah. He's like walking in the woods and like maybe in the woods, but it's just like at that point, why wouldn't Billy or Stu just walk through the woods? Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> just walk normally and like throw the suit on later or whatever. For sure. Yeah. It does make me wonder too how quickly they change. I know it's an easy costume to get in and out of, but mm-hmm. like, how do they know exactly? What, like they also string people up pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and, them and well, I mean, knowing that there's two of them, they could have like, I mean, these have to. When you think about it, and after you've seen it a couple times, you you realize like just how calculated and planned every single murder mm-hmm. in this is, and how predictable the people that they're manipulating and ultimately killing are, because they fall into their traps each time. Because like mm-hmm. they have to be very like staged like they had to probably have had that noose for instance in the first scene after they they stab her and kill her they hang her in a tree on like a noose like they had to have had that already set up in the tree right 
in a way that wouldn't be obvious for people to see because like that you got to be quick about putting that on her and, just and hoisting her into like, the Billy air. Billy is definitely the, and it's the gonna leader. T- of yeah, all and of it's going to take two guys to get her up there that fast. Well, probably do that and, and like and see Tatum. Like I was Rose and I were talking about it, and I was like, it would almost like because we're we were thinking about it, and Tatum says that Stu is with her, but I was like with her like Stu. Like, I was like, well, Rose, I'm with you right now. But, like, when we go to bed, I could fucking leave and then come back. Well, yeah. And Bill- and the same night Casey's killed, Billy pops into mm-hmm. Sydney's bedroom window for the first time ever mm-hmm. um, to make that a memorable thing that, she- oh, Billy was with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to throw the scent. So, it's like all these things are, like, really well thought out on their part as, like, the psychopathic killers. But it's the same thing. Like, they had to have hid- hidden their costumes in a in a way right in the right place so they can put them on be at the party put them on be at the party where also the kids at the party aren't going to find it or i don't know it's just it just seems it's not really like smart around with like a backpack yeah or anything ever and it seems like if you rewatch it that you can tell like which when Stu's the killer and when billy's a killer mm-hmm. and maybe this is just something that i've like invented in my head but it seems like when Stu is the killer or whatever you can see him being more clumsy and like getting hit by shit and like <laughs> and a little like more wiggly more gangly yeah, yeah more gangly for sure his yeah his movements i think are different from billy's mm-hmm. but it could be in our heads Who yeah knows? it could be so we've touched on it a few but like do we want to go around and give favorite scenes because I have a, a few that, like we talked about with the door and Casey, uh, another scene that I really th- think is uh, creepy and one that I always return to when I take like an evening nap and wake up and it's like kind of like dusk is when Sydney sleeps over at her house. And by the way, like how many, these parents are fucking rich in this movie mm-hmm. or something because all their houses are like fucking extravagant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sydney rides the bus. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no shit. It's like, dude, you got like a patio, like a a complete patio. That yeah, was really nice. Yeah, for sure. Like a wraparound. Or, yeah. yeah, like a restaurant on your fucking house. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but Sydney wakes up, of course, gets the call, and he says that he's standing on her front porch. So she goes out there, and, you know, of course, all she can see is night. And then she heads back in and he, of course, chases her and shit. This is like you were saying when Billy comes into her window. But yeah, that scene is like creepy as fuck because he's running up the stairs trying to really get her. Like you said, she knows how that door locks and can jam and shit like that. But yeah, that scene is so fucking awesome. And then she runs downstairs and the introduction of Dewey, because up to that point, you you only see him at the podium. Mm Mm-hmm. And she opens the door and Dewey's standing there with a scream mask. And he like screams. she screams and then he's like, ah! Like, why was he holding that up? Like, and he has his gun out. Because yeah. <laughs> he's a doofus. Yeah. yeah. I also, rest in peace, I love fucking Kenny the cameraman in this movie. Kenny mm-hmm. the cameraman is life mm-hmm. in this movie because he's fat. Gail Weathers is always making fun of him and shit. Yeah. He's like, behind you, kid. Behind you. Yeah, that scene, um, Gail gets in the van and she, the, the blood's all over the windshield. But they've put him up on top of the van. Yeah. Um, and she's and she's like, why driving. Did, why did they do that? Yeah, she's like, a, she's dri- because that's the thing is like they just add a little sadistic twist to so many of their of the things that they do. Like, I think they'd be like more concerned with like moving on and. Like just moving right, on. Right, but they made know? a point of like put him on the top so when she's driving away, she's just like 
terrified and mm-hmm. crashes and all that. See, as I'm thinking about this, like so many of these scenes are ingrained, just like ingrained in me because I used to, in high school, I used to drive like an old, uh, like Ford Explorer, I think it was, it, but it had like one of those like hatchbacks that mm-hmm. come up. And uh, I always used to think about that scene getting in, like getting in the car late at night because I work like at 2 a.m. But getting into the car late at night, I always used to think about that scene when he has the keys and he's unlocking it. And then you slowly see that door like rise up in the background. Mm-hmm. I was just like, how does she not hear it open? That yeah. Was, that was a little. Yeah, she's so focused on the, the door. I mean, she's right. under a great deal of stress. So yeah. I, I'll accept it. Yeah, that's a great scene too. Kate, what's your favorite one if you had to pick one? I like the opener. Solid I like the choice. opening scene. Um, and then I liked at the end during that really high tense moment when Matthew Lillard's character is like making saying all these really hilarious things. <laughs> it makes it makes it easier for me to consume versus mm-hmm. something that would be a lot more stressful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I thought I like the opener and then like the humor that was added at the end. Mm-hmm. I would have to say my favorite scene is the when they're in the kitchen with Sydney and they're stabbing each other and telling her their like how they hatched these plans and everything they've done and what they plan to do after and how they're going to get away with it and also it's almost as like the end of this movie is almost as iconic as the as the beginning to oh, me yeah. Um, oh, yeah. so it's just bookended with such like great stuff so mm-hmm. but not to belabor it because I know we've talked about all these For scenes sure. here and there um, but I wanted to ask if any of you caught. The line of Travis, I'm sure you've caught it, but where um, Tatum, it's like in the middle of the movie somewhere, I don't know, but she mentions like the Richard Gere gerbil story. <laughs> yeah. Kay, did you catch that? No, and I haven't. No. <laughs> you guys <laughs> never heard that rumor in school? Well, I no. I looked it up because I I I never caught the line, honestly. honestly. I like, it was It's such a throwaway line, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard it this time and I was like, what? And I Googled it. Apparently there's like this baseless rumor um, back back when this movie was mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. Uh, or was new that Richard Gere had been admitted to the hospital with a gerbil up his butt. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. I've never heard that. I didn't catch it in the movie and I've never heard that rumor either. Yeah. So, so now, now that I know what that whole thing is, like I'll probably watch that scene differently I, next time. I need to know if that's true now. Oh, it's not. It's one of those things where, like, another one was, like, that Rod Stewart, like, had to get his stomach pumped. It's just, like, one of those old, like, playground shit. Little urban legend. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. For sure. I didn't catch that one. Trav, you kind of mentioned your favorite, too. Is there any other scene that you think, like, I don't know. I feel like every single scene in this movie is just, I don't know if it's just me, if it's just burned in my memory so well, or... There was a if, little Clueless oh. in there. I like mm-hmm. a little shout out to Clueless. So one of the scenes that I really, really love, like I, lo- I really love Dewey in this movie, if you guys can't tell. Yeah. So Sydney goes, after she punches Gail Weathers, which I really love, um, she goes to Dewey and his sister's house and she gets a call there, of course. And the killer's like talking about, and this is when Billy was in jail. So it really throws her off and shit. Like the killer's still out there. And it throws of, you off too if you've never sure. seen it. Yeah. And of course, Wes Craven is a master because he throws in all these red herrings and stuff. And Kevin Williamson throws in all these wet red herrings throughout the movie, where you see the cop has the same boots as the killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it makes it seem like Dewey's the killer several times, and this is one of the scenes because the call ends and then Dewey comes out of his room like they can't get him out of his room. I was suspicious about mm-hmm. Dewey a little bit too because of scary movie because Dewey. Um, in scary movie is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, 
but I just couldn't I couldn't imagine David Arquette doing it. I mean, mm. wouldn't that be something though if it was him? And because he's such a sweet, dopey, mm-hmm. lovable character, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you couldn't think he would, he, he would have that kind of uh, the killer and depravity <laughs> in him. Yeah, but, but it's pretty easy to see Stu and Billy once for you sure. know it's them. But the call-ins, and then of course Dewey comes running out of his room with his gun and shit, and like <laughs> yeah. looks around. And then, like, the, the phone is clearly hung up, like, the killer's off the phone, and he picks it up very slowly, and he's like, hello. <laughs> 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 like, expecting the killer to be on the other line. Yeah, like, I really love, I always thought Stu was, like, so cool, like, growing up, and one of the scenes I thought he was, like, really, really cool in was the video store, because he's just a douchebag. Like, Randy's putting away all these movies, and he, like, goes up to him, and he's like, oops, and, like, knocks them all out of his hands and shit, and he's like... Uh, Randy's like, hey, you think I got a shot with Sydney Press Sydney? And he's like, he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he does that like little laugh and points in his face and shit. This movie's so good. Should we give final thoughts? I mean, we could for go sure. on and on. We could basically reenact the whole movie for you. <laughs> yep. I'm pretty sure that I could like pretty much reenact this whole movie. <laughs> I think I could too. Especially now that I really caught that gerbil story. (laughs) I'm excited to... So, Kate, would you be willing to come back for part two and three and four? Sure. Yeah. I think you'll really like that. I liked this this one better than The Faculty. Really? mm -hmm, Okay. Definitely. And I I told you, I've seen the I Know What You Did last summer. I liked this movie better, but it's hard to beat Freddie Prinze Jr., (laughs) <laughs> in any setting but I, I think this movie i liked this i preferred this movie to that movie i think david arquette tops him but <laughs> what are your final thoughts on the on the film kate i like would uh, you how would you rate it too i based on the movies that i've seen um i i think i gave faculty like a three mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. i would definitely give this a four Mm-hmm. Definitely better. I don't know if it's the. I don't know that I could give a five because I don't think I've seen enough movies mm-hmm. to give any fives out. But for um, I think Katie, that word iconic is. I know a lot of these references, and I had never even seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And seeing it, it, what it did in what they did with it in Scary Movie, and all these other things that I know about it is just very iconic. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I think it was really good, and I liked the humor in it. It let, allowed me to consume it better than. Like something like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I'm not mm-hmm. coming back for that one. It's okay. okay. We did we did that one with my with, with Zach, my brother in law. So um, we will spare you that one. Thank I you. don't think you'd recover from that. I one. don't think I would. Um. I think you have our uh, '90s cut yeah. like, corner. I, cut. I dig the '90s, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this movie is very our our aesthetic too. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. I give this a five out of five. Like, I can't give it anything other than a five out of five. Um, so <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, always will. And I'm with you, Kate. When you say it's iconic, it, it really ha- did sort of seep into popular culture mm-hmm. forevermore. Like, once that movie, ca- this movie came out, it was, like, wildly successful, I'm pretty sure. And, like, I don't know the, the stats on it, but it was such a huge part of any millennial's sort of coming of age right mm-hmm. like this, without this ever movie, having seen it i knew a lot about it yeah already. it has it seeped into so many other things and influenced so many other things that yeah this is one of those that i would give a five out of five for sure uh for this for me this is a five out of five as well kind of like what i was touching on earlier just to like brush up the point that i was trying to make i was trying to make the point that slasher films after this kind of have a tougher go at it because if you make a 
traditional slash movie, you're kind of playing into what Scream kind of made fun of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like a weird kind of thing, like a like a hatchet and stuff like that. They they kind of went more comedic and stuff because it's hard to make something that's 100% serious but also follows those same old tropes yeah. post-Scream. But mm-hmm. yeah, like this is a five out of five for me. One of the things I think is really interesting about this series is that Ghostface, the horror icon, he is a legit horror icon up there with Freddy and Jason and all these. And one of the newest horror icons, if not the newest, like bona fide icon. But one of the things that's interesting is that a different person dons the mask each movie, which is kind of cool because the mask acts as like they got copycats and you know mm-hmm. like shit like that i think that's like a really cool element to the series is it's like these agatha christie like mystery slasher movies that each each one is a new killer and shit but yeah i absolutely love this series i think these i think this is one of the strongest series like all throughout but this movie really brought horror back in the 90s and was really an important movie a lot of people like uh don't realize that horror was dead like at this point up until Scream and Scream brought us the Scream, the faculties that I know what you did last summers, Valentine, Urban Legend, like it good or bad, whether you think that's good or bad, like it brought that wave of horror and really made horror like popular and this style of horror, like Kate Taylor mentioned earlier, like with the Freddie Princess Juniors, you got all these pretty people getting knocked off by yeah. these killers. <laughs> and we just ate that shit up, man, when all this stuff was out. But yeah, that's my final thoughts on it. Kate, I re- really want to thank you for doing this with well, thank us. Thank you for having um, me. Again, you're all always an awesome guest. <laughs> and uh, we will return to the 90s corner yes. with Scream 2, which, like I said, I think might be arguably better if that's I'm excited to see possible. it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm probably in your court on that one, Trav. I really do love the second one a lot. I don't, and yeah, maybe uh, like Andrew Balt and Bub like chime in on this and tell me what you think about the sequel and stuff before we do it. But yeah, the sequel is fucking strong, man. Like I love that movie. Um, We're really talking it up. It's better delivered for <laughs> Kate. <laughs> for sure. As always, I have a book recommendation this week. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is introduce people, as you guys know, to things that I love. And like Heath recently checked out some comics that I got him into and like uh is really really digging it like he sent me a picture of him at a comics bookstore and shit and like I saw Brian out. post some stuff about a comic didn't I Yeah he was mm-hmm. reading yeah uh, Count Crowley is uh, by David Dismalchin that he was reading but so this is a novella it's available on Amazon if it's not available on Barnes and Noble I know you can always go in and like request that they Uh, keep it in stock but it's night of the mannequins by stephen graham jones this dude is on like an absolute fucking tear like uh just this year he released the only good indians uh in that book is just like a fucking like i'm not all the way through it but it's a like an awesome fucking read so check that out but yeah this is night of the mannequins it's kind of in line with this movie like it's a slasher type but It's one last laugh for the summer as it winds down. One last prank just to scare a friend. Bringing a mannequin into the theater is just some harmless fun, right? (laughs) Until it wakes up. Kate is shaking her little goosebumps vibes. Until it starts killing. (laughs) Luckily, Sawyer has a plan. He'll be a hero. He'll save everyone to the best of his ability. He'll kill as many people as he needs so that he can save the day. That's the thing about heroes. Sometimes you have to become a monster first. So yeah, this is getting like um, praise from some of the best authors in the business. But yeah, like I said, this dude is on an absolute tear. And he's putting out like hit after hit. 
and he's really fucking blown up. But yeah, check out everything that dude's written. As always, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. Um, it's at Horrifying My Friends on Facebook and Instagram, and at Horrifying MF on Twitter. Drop me a line. Tell these girls that they're wrong about David Arquette, <laughs> that he's a stud. Um, hit me up. Take me to task. Uh, most of all, thank you for listening. And thank you for joining us week after week. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Fine, my friends. <laughs>